Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. We'll be listening tonight to an episode of the Black Museum entitled The Gas Receipt. The series is based on a real museum of criminal memorabilia housed in Scotland Yard. It was officially established in 1875 after a year of unofficial existence. Among the items on display are the noose used to perform the last execution in the United Kingdom and letters allegedly from Jack the Ripper. Now called the Crime Museum, it's still open to this day, but only for those in law enforcement. Broadcast in 1952, the Black Museum was written by Ira Marion. It was narrated by the one and only Orson Welles. Harry Allen Towers and Welles were already working together on The Adventures of Harry Lyme, or, as it was known in the United States, The Lives of Harry Lyme. When Towers needed a host for his new show, The Black Museum, Welles was there for him. This episode was based on the real case of Frederick Brown and William Kennedy. The series actually dramatized this case twice, once as the gas receipt and also as the car tire. It was not the only time the series used the same case to create two episodes. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Receipt for payment for 10 gallons of gasoline. Familiar object you've had many times yourself if you drive a car, but this particular receipt. Your receipt, Inspector. Tanks full, oil and water fine. Thank you. Hmm. Quite a receipt you hand out. My partner's idea. He likes it. Look at this, Sergeant. Stamped with a gallow, complete with corpse, and marked settled. Rather appropriate, eh? Well, today, as I told you, this receipt lies in its proper place. An honored place. In the Black Museum. of the Criminal Investigation Department of the London Police, we bring you the dramatic stories of the crimes recorded by the objects in Scotland Yard's Gallery of Death, the Black Museum. Cases 
lined along the shelves on the tables, larger objects standing on the floor. Over there's an old-fashioned trunk. There's nothing in this trunk but some old clothes. The clothes led to a furnace. The things in the furnace led a man to the gallows. There's a teacup and a saucer. Charming, graceful, real bone china. But the contents were deadly. Ah, here we are. Here's the receipt I told you about. Settled, it says, paid in full. Ten gallons of gas. From the evidence, Police Constable Matthews had anything but murder on his mind that very early morning, an hour before dawn, as he patrolled a quiet country road near his home in Essex. Summer must be almost over. Cold this time of morning. Not even false dawn yet. Nights are getting longer. Pleasant enough this tour during summer. Lonely a bit, I suppose. Gives a man time for thinking. What do I think about Helen and the breakfast she'll have for me? <laughs> Egg, bit of bacon, cup of tea, then some sleep. Ridiculous. Grown man sleeping in broad daylight when you come to think of it. Well, company coming. Seems to be traveling at quite a rate. Too fast, even this time of night. Got this car, pull over here! I know that car. Never saw him drive like that before. Well, in my case, you're, you're going rather fast. I... Oh, what's the idea, Constable? I'm in a hurry. Yes. Oh, it seems. Let me see your license. I know how to drive. Where have you come from? Longridge Garage. It's a long way from here. Called out on an emergency. I said I'm in a hurry to get back now. And this car is yours? Oh, it's mine. Oh, another of you. In the back seat. Can't you keep that flashlight out of my eyes? What's the number of this car? See for yourself. It's on the plate. I know the number. Do you? What is this? An investigation? If you want it that way. Oh, oh, oh. What are you doing? He's dead, all right. I'm making sure. No dead man keeps my face in his eyes. Uh, now he's got no eyes. Hurry! We gotta get out of here. face turned skyward, policeman Constable Matthews didn't see the dawn. Later that morning, another man trudged along that Essex road, mail sack on shoulder, busy with his own thoughts, until... Good! It's Matthews. Or what's left of him. Oh, what a rotten way to die. Here, yeah, I'll have to get out. Help was very soon in coming. First the local police, then the wires to London, harmed with the word. Can you leave the body where it is? I expect so, Inspector. 
He won't worry about it, poor fellow. Very well. I'll be down from the yard as soon as I can get a car. Inspector Manson and Sergeant Wright left Scotland Yard, careening out of the gates on two wheels and roared out of London and into Essex. They set a record reaching the scene of the crime. The two policemen, quiet in their plain clothes, asked the local constable to move the crowd of curious well back from the body. And the team from the yard went to work. A rotten killing, Inspector. Bad as I've seen. Four bullets where one would have been enough. It looks like a cop-hater, Inspector. Turn cop-killer. Lift the head a moment. Right, sir. Oh. Here they are. Two slugs. Forty-five. Went right through him. Oh, we never had a chance. The angle of the cheek wound, sir. From below and to the side. Back seat of the car he stopped. Tire marks, Inspector? Hmm? Right here. In the shoulder of the road. And deep enough for cast. Still holding his pencil. It's what we're all afraid of on traffic duty. What's your number and the shots? That's all. I still don't get the eyes, Inspector. Old story. Legend. When a criminal shoots a policeman, the criminal's image is supposed to be imprinted on the poor fellow's retinas. Just superstition. Let's go, Sergeant. We Just superstition, but perhaps a mark, a clue, pointing to the habitual criminal. The police routine began. The tire marks were taken up in plaster casts. The bullets were turned over to ballistics. The search, the almost blind search, began. In the course of their duty, Inspector Manson and Sergeant Wright dropped in on the superintendent of the local police. Hey, the car, sir, for my rounds. I can't afford to wait until the insurance company is satisfied, nor for my patients. I know you're busy, what with the murder and all that, but surely you can spare some time. <clears throat> what? Oh, Inspector Manson, come in. Sorry to intrude, sir, but the sergeant and I are about ready to go back to London. I see. Now, this is Dr. Lewis, our resident practitioner. Doctor, Inspector Manson, and Sergeant Wright, Scotland Yard. How do you do? Uh, how do you do, sir? Scotland Yard. Well, about the murder of that poor policeman. That's right, Doctor. And the doctor's car's missing. I've been explaining to him how he's been tied up on the killing. Which, of course, I understand. But I need my car, gentlemen. I almost missed a birth last night. Came out of my house, expected to hop into my car. No car. Uh, about what time was that, sir? About 3 a.m. First time a things like that's ever happened round here. I see. Rather interesting coincidence. Well, how's that, Inspector? One of the familiar patterns in our work is to have a policeman attacked when he stops a stolen car. By the Lord Harry. May I, Superintendent? Of course. Will you describe the car, Doctor? Within minutes, Sergeant Wright was on the telephone. All station alarm. Dark blue Morris sedan, number TW8529. Registered in the name of Dr. Robert... Within six hours, he'd been abandoned. Dr. Lewis was taken for the automobile ride of his life. Sirens screaming, tires squealing. No time to waste. This your car, Doctor? It certainly is. Give it a going over, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Let's have a look inside, Doctor. Hmm. Flashes on the outside of the door. Could be blood. Yes, yes it might very well be. Oh. You own a pistol, Doctor? Good heavens, no. What? Cartridge case on the floor. Here. Here? Mm. 45 caliber. Notice anything missing? Yes, my instrument bag. I left it on the back seat, as I usually do. Some quite valuable surgical equipment and all that. Hard to come by these days. I understand. Yes, sir? Uh, earth and dried grass, sir. Curbside wheels, front and back. 
mudguard damaged on that side as well. And the tyres, sir, I'd not want to state positively until we checked the cast, but they look the same as the marks on the road. Ah, excellent, Sergeant. Here's something may help. Uh, Inspector, Sergeant. Yes, Doctor. The speedometer. I keep a trip record every 24 hours. Just a habit. When I left the car last night, the speedometer read 40.9 miles. It's 84.3 now. And the car has come 43.4 miles. That may be quite a help to us, Doctor. Perhaps more than you realize. The first point which came to mind as the inspector and the sergeant drove back to Scotland Yard. 43 miles. Took a lot of back roads. Whoever it was must be known. No fingerprints in the car either. And next, as the car turned into the yard. He must know Essex rather well. An angle worth working on. A little while later, with a pile of dossiers on his desk, the inspector said, Hmm. What do you think of this one, Sergeant? Thomas Green? Also known as Greeny Thomas and Ted Grenville. Convicted 1920, possession of firearms. Mm -hmm. Convicted fraud and forgery. Convicted car theft. Ah. So, known as operator garage in Eastwood, Essex. Alters stolen car. No, Essex, doesn't he? He's a possibility, sir. Habitual. Fits the rest of the characteristics. Shall we have Mr. Green in, Sergeant? Yes, sir. Operator, view and cry message to all stations. Photo for posting will follow shortly. Wanted for questioning, Tom Green, also known as Green... So far, so good. Maybe they were on the right track. Maybe not. The alarm went out. Out to every station house and crossroads in England, every policeman from the south coast to the border of Scotland was alerted for Mr. Thomas Green, also known as Greeny Thomas, and so forth. Result? Nothing. No, not a sign. Not a trace. <laughs> Here's something, Sergeant. Police in Lancashire picked up a fellow answering Green's description. He confessed to a burglary to prove he wasn't in Essex the night Matthews was shot. I imagine they know we don't like cop killers. No, they don't like cop killers. But they still had no trace of the suspect. None at all. For seven long weeks. <laughs> Something of it? Hey, hey, what's going on here? I'll have a report this, you know. This man forced me into the wall. Is that correct, sir? You're green. There's an order out for you. Keep that driver, or you'll get it too. Dirty rotten. Get the number. Get the number of that car. I can't see. I, I got it, lad. GR5607. Today, as I told you, this receipt lies in its proper place, an honored place, in the Black Museum.
replacement shot. Luckily, not fatally. Another car number obtained. Immediate check. Yes, a stolen car. A Vauxhall this time. Several times thereafter, in the course of ten days, that number appeared on the Scotland Yard teletype. Armed robbery. Cinema cashier. Lone thief seen leaving area in car number GR5607. That's been all right. He's broken cover with a vengeance. There it is again, Sergeant. Same number. This time he held up a railway station. He's made another stop, sir. This time a bank messenger. Same car, same number, GR5607. Inspector Manson here. Sergeant Wright, sir. Report from Sheffield. They've got the Vauxhall Green was using. He sold it to a used car dealer. Man suspected of being a fence. Meet me at the gate, Sergeant. We are going to Sheffield. Constable Matthews was long gone, you know. Several weeks, in fact. But the wheels of vengeance for his unnecessary death ground on in Sheffield. Inspector Manson talked briefly into the point. Now get this straight. The man who sold you this car is wanted on suspicion of murder. Hold out on us and you'll be an accessory after the fact. We'll see to that. That was I to know, Inspector. He had owner's papers. They looked all right. I paid him in good faith, I did. David, you received stolen goods. Now then, what do you know about this man? Nothing, sir, nothing. Tell him, Sergeant. You know plenty. We happen to have checked. You were associated with him in a garage business in Essex. Now talk. I'm honest. I didn't know nothing. He told me he got the Vauxhall through a garage he's interested in, in, in Battersea. You can't pit anything. Back to London. The chase seemed getting warmer. Outside the garage in Battersea, Inspector Manson and Sergeant Wright sat in their parked car and waited. Car coming this way, sir. The light's in the rear view mirror. I see it, Sergeant. Patience, Sergeant. He's only turning in. I caught his face in the light, sir. It's green, all right. Chauffeur's outfit. Let's go. Take care. He's left the car on the ramp, sir. Yes. Probably gone to change his clothes. Check the car, Sergeant. Side pocket of the door. Right, sir. A Webley 45, Inspector. Huh. A 45. Let's get him. Listen a moment. He's in there. Take care of the door, Sergeant. Yes, sir. What's the meaning of this? What do you want? You, Green. Let go, copper. If I'd not done you... Oh, thanks, sir. He almost had me. Put the cuffs on him. We'll take the Webley and get him back to the yard. Hello? What's this on the workbench? Medical case, sir. Initials on it, RL. Huh. For Robert Lewis, Inspector? I wouldn't be surprised. Let's go, Sergeant. And you needn't be too gentle with him. At long last, Tom Green, alias Greeny Thomas, was in custody. And a none too pleasant customer, this fellow. Hey, when do I get something to eat, copper? We'll get to that. You're in for questioning on a possible murder charge. I must warn you, anything you may say... you on the night of October 26th last? I was in London with my girl. What's more, she'll swear to it. Where did you get the revolver we found in the pocket of the car? I bought it from a sailor. <laughs> Never got his name or number. 
We found another Wembley in the doctor's case green. Where did you get that? I ain't talking. The first one's been certified as the gun that killed Constable Matthews. That's the gun you said you bought from the sailor in September. What? Oh, then I got it mixed up. Oh. Yeah, I must have bought the gun in the case from the sailor, and, and the one you say killed the copper, I picked up in November. So what? You got plenty of cops, haven't you, Inspector? <laughs> How are we coming on the check of Green's friends, Sergeant? They're all accounted for and all with alibis, except this fellow Davis. Yes, it's funny about him. Yeah? What? Well, he spent most of his life in stir. But the last time he got out, he upped and married. In Sheffield. In Sheffield? And Green took that stolen Vauxhall to Sheffield? Let's bring Mr. Davis in, Sergeant. I'm rather interested in him. Once again, the two police officers drove their car in the direction of Sheffield. Along the road, they stopped at a service station. Ten gallons of gasoline and a look at the oil and water. They pay the attendant and ask for a receipt. Vouchers will have to be signed in the usual police routine. Your receipt, Inspector. Thanks for oil and water five. Thank you. Mm, quite a receipt you hand out. <laughs> My partner's idea. He likes it. Look at this, Sergeant. Stamped with a gallows, complete with corpse, and marked fettled. Rather appropriate, eh? It might have been more appropriate if they'd had more success in Sheffield. Too late, Inspector. Our bird flown? Yes, sir. Left town the day before yesterday. The day we picked up Green. Oh, I see. Well, we'll find him. I'm beginning to feel more like a tracer of missing persons than an officer on a murder case. The familiar police machinery went back into action. The underworld was watched. The hue and cry message went to all stations. Within a few days this time, word came through. Davis has been seen with his wife in Liverpool, sir. All right, Sergeant, we'll travel. Outside, Sergeant. I found that most men will put up a much harder struggle when their women are present. So they waited. Waited in the dark, shabby street. Far off, they could hear the foghorns of the ships in Liverpool's busy roadstead. Eerie noise they make, isn't it? I don't mind it. Seems, uh, well, friendly. Uh, it depends, sir. Hey, someone just passed the second street lamp down that way, sir. Don't show yourself. Wait until he passes under the next one. We can be sure then. That's our man. When he's closer, Sergeant. Right, sir. All right, Davis, please come quietly. Would you stay away from me? I said come quietly, Davis. Trooper, why whoop me and don't take me. Never point a gun at a police officer, Davis. He'll come quietly now, Inspector. They were quite a pair. 
satisfied us, Davis. You've told us Green asked you to manage his garage. That's right. I don't know nothing about October the 26th. We think you do. Were you with Green that night? I was with my wife. And Green says he was with his girl. Did you shut up the garage? No. Yes, I did. No business that night anyway. Yes, sir? A note for you, sir. Thank you. I see. Thank you. All right, Davis, Green's talked. He's... There's nothing to talk about. He says you pulled the trigger. He says he was already in gear. And Ridgeway was going to let you go when you fired from the back seat. The cop had his foot on the running board. I never did a thing. Ah, nice timing, Sergeant. I think you'd better talk, Davis. You're forage in any case. Oh. Speak up, man. All right. Yeah. Sure, I was with Green that night. We picked a car to swipe down there in that Essex village. A doctor's car. We had to work fast. A dog started barking. We pushed the thing from in front of the house and got in. Greenie was driving. We'd have been fine, but that dumb cop had to stop us. He knew the car. Thought it was the doctor. But I didn't kill nobody. It was Greenie. All the way it was Greenie. I never killed nobody. Nobody. I'll tell you I didn't kill nobody. 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 All finished, Davis? <coughs> Would you like to see the note Sergeant Wright handed me? No. No, I don't want to look. A receipt, Davis, for ten gallons of petrol stamped with a gallows and marked settled. And today, as I told you, that receipt can be found in a place of special honor in the Black Museum. Orson Welles will be back with you in just a moment. There was no doubt, of course. From the angle of the wounds in Constable Matthews' face, it was clear that at least two bullets had been fired from the back seat of the stolen car. Davis's counsel tried to pin the blame on Green. Green's counsel tried to place it all on Davis. The jury found both men guilty. And both were sentenced to hang. Green tried to cheat the gallows, hiding a razor blade in his cell and cutting his wrist one night. But the guards discovered this in time and the trap fell twice one morning. So the case of Constable Matthews was marked, settled. And now, until next time, till we meet again in the same place, and I tell you another story of the Black Museum, I remain as always obediently yours. the Black Museum and the episode The Gas Receipt, and you're listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And uh, that was Tim's episode uh, that he picked for uh, this podcast. And so why don't we start with you, Tim? Um, Why did you pick A, 
let's start with Black Museum, because uh, Black Museum is a very popular and interesting uh, radio show to begin with. Yeah, I definitely came into this thinking, I want an episode of the Black Museum before I necessarily figured out which episode I want. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the conceit of the show is so fascinating to me of storytelling based off not only just a single object and creating a story around that object, but uh, an object that is, or at least a story that is based on real life. Right. And it's a weird sort of proto-procedural crime mm-hmm. drama. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is it, like a precursor to watching a Law and Order. Yes, or like forensic ways. files. Or yeah, some yeah. Sort of more like a totally non, files. yeah, nonfiction TV sh- episode. Why are they well, now? I've, I'll be honest. I've listened to a handful of Black Museums. They remind me of I don't know if you've seen this TV show, uh, uh, Mysteries of the Museum. Yes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me of that. Like we found this thing. What's the story behind it in this museum? Um, why did you pick this particular episode? Uh, so the story is, this was, this was the first episode of Black Museum I heard. Uh, and it was, so when I came to choose an episode, I, this was the one I thought of first. Went through several episodes to look for me an alternative. Went round and round with very different issues about well, why, why or why not to choose a particular episode. And eventually just decided I was working too much about it, worried too much about it, and just picked the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. So I, so I have some pluses and minuses in what I think of this episode, um, but I, that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> what was your take on it, Joshua? Yeah, I thought immediately that it felt really modern. We're talking about stand the test of time. Uh, it. I also thought it was really bizarre to have a gas station receipt with the Grim Reaper on it. <laughs> <laughs> so that got up, that got brought up early in this discussion. Uh, so let's just jump into that. Why? Yeah. That is, I have a note right here. What? <laughs> Paid in full. You just don't have businesses that really deal in customer intimidation like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can you imagine getting a receipt from Caribou? <laughs> <laughs> with a dead guy on it, and it said, painful. Settled. <laughs> Settled. Wow, thanks. Uh, yeah. I, if you don't mind, you I'm just going to leave the coffee yeah. here on yeah. the counter. You go to Target, and your receipt says, burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but now, here's my question about the truth factor on this. Black Museum, all these stories are... Uh, the names have been changed to protect the innocent kind of thing, right? It's all supposedly true stories. And, by the way, Black Museum, one of the first uh, TV, radio, or anything uh, that, that, that did that, other than the pulp magazines that were very popular with true crime. And so that's where this really came out of. But uh, how much of, do we know how much of this story is absolutely true? What I'm getting at is, did somebody actually give that receipt out? <laughs> is that a real thing? I do not know. Oh, the, God, I the, know. Uh, the actual crime, I couldn't, uh, you know, on my exhaustive two to three minutes of research <laughs> on this case. I Googled it. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> That's what Scotland Yard actually does today. They, <laughs> they just Google their cases. Right? Go and solve this one, yeah. Uh, I did not find any background information <laughs> about if the receipt actually exists, which, as much as it is not pointedly not an important part of the case besides it just being a piece of paper it is one of the most fascinating things in this episode it is because all it is it doesn't lead to the solving of the crime i mean the receipt does 
Doesn't it? Not, not really. Not really. It really doesn't, does it? It's a fake out when he's interrogating the two criminals and he just hands him the receipt because it's the only piece of paper he has. Yeah. Right? And to, to make the other guy think the yeah. guy in the other room has confessed. Right. So it's more of just a, oh, isn't that ironic? Yes. That's mm-hmm. a, that's what that piece, that's what that receipt is. Oh, who knew when you got that receipt that you would be dying? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... We don't know how much of this is true. Uh, I think that's, that strikes me as an artistic flourish. <laughs> right. Uh, especially, I'm suspicious because there are two different versions of this story, and one is called the car tire. Yes. Makes me think, like, oh, we got to come up with something else. And Not the car tire was the earlier version. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the car tire said on the side of it, Firestone, <laughs> paid in full. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you take my joke? <laughs> so... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the uh, the idea now of it being uh, scary or not. Uh, here's something I found interesting is that I should have been mortified when he gets out of the car and shoots him in the eyes. Two more shots in the eyes so mm-hmm. that he can't. So his retinas don't hold the image of him. So it doesn't yeah. hold the image of him. And, and apparently I looked this up. That is a thing that happened for a while, a long time ago, that criminals were... If they killed a cop, the idea was, uh, superstition was shoot them in the eyes, otherwise their ghost will tell on you. I don't know, I'm making stuff up on that level. But <laughs> it's very it's grisly. Happened. It's grisly, but I didn't get freaked out yeah. because, and I wrote this down, I've seen way too much of uh, Criminal Minds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, that's criminal your minds, fault. Right, has ruined me from, ah, oh, shot him in the eyes, good one. <laughs> I suppose that's the challenge of trying to... Right. To stand the test of time and yeah. stand up against these, and here I think we're looking at something like Black Museum. Is is it suspenseful, right? You know, because we're kind of going on like a continuum here in the radio shows we're listening to, from like scary horror to suspense. Does it just leave you hooked? Is it thrilling? Suspense though is what creates the horror, right? Yeah, it it's can. what makes that's what scares you if if you don't know what's going to happen next. Well, that's a whole other discussion. Some right. of it is just a just graphic scary sounds and things like that. That is a whole other discussion. Yeah. But yeah, absolute blood does not scare me as much as I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, uh, the, 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 the suspense part of this, is it there? Well, when we're talking about suspense, I think we have to talk about Orson Welles as the narrator. Okay. <laughs> That's my this, next note. This is my favorite thing about it. There is such a thing as too understated. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, actually, he actually sounds like he's narrating the show in his sleep. Like he, like he rolled over and went, There's Jack the River's spittoon. Nom, 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 Can nom, I read? And he goes back to sleep. Where's my, where is it? Uh, Orson Welles would have made a great golf announcer. <laughs> Here's the other thing that I wrote, and this has to do with um, uh, Orson Welles in general and giving Tim some grief here. Tim, the, the first episode you did was uh, with Price Vincent Peter, Price, yeah. and then Orson Welles. Do you have a thing for extremely overly dramatic men that, that, <laughs> that take... What was... I gotta find the... Orson Welles. I, I wrote this. Orson Welles. Thank God he doesn't take himself too seriously. <laughs> you, he's so over the top dramatic. Oh, yeah. This, it's I so did not much. choose this out of love for Orson Welles. <laughs> which love- I, I don't want to also like this uh, suspense horror radio podcast where we just talk garbage about Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do like Vincent Price. I do. Yeah. No, Orson is... He... he 
He's odd. Yeah, well, it's yeah. the 50s. He's starting to get really fat and really full of himself. It's <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. But so yeah, the, I, he was just killing me with the like, very special place in the Black Museum. Highly regarded area of this museum. <laughs> yeah. Here we um, are in the Black Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Will, will somebody wake me when this is over? <laughs> is it suspenseful, though, in the sense of, we were talking about this as like a, a modern day cop show, like a Forensic Files. It seems more like a Dateline NBC kind of thing. Like, hey, this guy, cop got killed. How did they find him? Well, you know, they finally mm-hmm. screwed up seven yep. weeks later. Except, and that guy who narrates Dateline is as weird as Orson Welles. <laughs> Will he find the gas receipt? Who knows? Uh, but um, so that's my question about the idea of suspenseful or horror or scary. It seemed very matter of fact to me. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact when the cop got killed, I loved that scene from that standpoint, from a horror standpoint. Oh, it's scary, and they killed the cop. But then, especially when the doctor comes in and they're like, yeah, well, the cop guy kills him. What is But I need my car. <laughs> you know, sorry about that. <laughs> I want my car. So I'm going to start with you before I get to you, mm-hmm. Joshua. Did you find it suspenseful or scary well, to go through it? I, I would say I discovered in listening to this that, that something can be too modern. I, I almost think it stands the test of time too much, as in it doesn't it, it lacks some of the things I like about old radio, as in it, it seems the, the procedural format is so familiar to us now. Right. And again, maybe some historical significance, because this is one of the, the earlier versions of it, but right. um, I, I, I kind of want it to feel like old radio and sometimes it didn't. Although there are a couple dated things like when when the uh, criminal's being interrogated and he's like, I uh, bought the gun from a sailor. <laughs> we wouldn't hear that in a modern... <laughs> what was the other line that I loved? Was, this, you got enough cops. It's <laughs> kind of a jerk thing to say. Right. Especially if you're not trying to get arrested. Yeah. Don't go, what's the big deal? You got enough cops. Yeah. Well, I'm you're just, not I'm leaving. calling the herd. Come on. <laughs> Not leaving anytime soon after you say that, <laughs> yeah. Tim. Uh, and I, I will say, as I as I mentioned earlier, I came into this with mixed feelings. Bringing this episode here, and I I think what Joshua said is is very much true. That I enjoyed it on the level of the the same way that I I like watching CSI. Um, that I want to see how they figure it out, uh, and that's what's suspense is maybe not the right word, and sure. it's not to say a thriller, but it's compelling. Yeah, it goes back to what you said about it being a single object that the stories uh, revolved around. And that did keep me hooked. Like, how is this gas receipt going to come into play? Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I felt a little cheated by it when it was a trick. But at the same time, I kind of went, oh, that's kind of clever. There is a twist on this. And I don't know where this falls in the run of Black Museum later, clearly, because they've recycled this story. So uh, they reached the point where they're doing a little uh, irony about the... Yeah, item they're, they're talking about. I think we're about a third of the way through. Okay. It was like the 18th okay. episode of 51. So. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a nice twist. I like the episode a lot for those same reasons. I, I think compelling was the exact right word. I like Dateline. <laughs> despite that guy. And I like Law & Order a lot. And I like CSI a lot. So I like you know, crime. Who did it? How did they do it? How did they figure it out? And so I enjoyed that. From the standpoint of it being uh, scary or suspenseful, n- not so much uh, yeah. in the way that 
that we're talking about in this podcast a lot. It wasn't like I got on the edge of my seat and the hair stood up on my neck. Although I will say the hair stood up on my neck when Orson talked. <laughs> I think for the wrong reason. <laughs> it's so quiet. It's like a, <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. You got to get your ear up to the speaker. Okay, I'm like, going to tell this. I shouldn't be saying this. I'm on glass. <laughs> I shouldn't tell this, but so I listened to this while vacuuming. <laughs> Had, Which I, is the ideal situation. I had to get some vacuuming done. And I had to stop vacuuming because every time Orson talked, the vacuum was drowning him out. And I was missing. And then when I went back and listened, I realized I wasn't missing any key information at all. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, final vote, final say on this, Joshua. I think it does stand the test of time. Um, not terribly suspenseful, but uh, uh, almost to its own detriment, Does it, it feels too modern to me. Mm. Uh, same way. Uh, I Actually, the, the twist ending felt a little cliché to me, which bummed me out. Mm. Um, but yes, I, I, it felt very listenable, uh, but yes, not scary, really. Right. I think it was definitely worth listening to, and... I will always say Black Museum is up there with, if you're looking for something different in your old-time radio listening, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like the idea of pulling something out of the museum and saying, here's what this is, how, how did this come into play? Uh, and I think it was great, uh, but yeah, not exactly terrifying. All right, so that was our uh, that was our episode this week. That is the Black Museum with Orson Welles, and the gas receipt was the name of the episode. You have been listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. If you want to learn more about this show or us or other things that we're doing, you can go to... GhoulishDelights.com At GhoulishDelights.com, you will find all that information if you're not already there right now. Uh, And please look up some of the other stuff we're doing. Love to see you out and about if you're around uh, some of the other projects we work on. So, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember... Look out!